Habibi's three game developers drinking good Arab tea. My name is Rami Ismail and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm Osama Doris and I'm not your host for this episode. I'm Fauzi Mesmar and that's it. <laughs> are, are, you, are, you, are you the host for this episode, Fauzi? <laughs> My I process like of a... elimination? I think not. <laughs> yes. Once, once the host has been claimed, I will not challenge I know. <laughs> Wow! Wow, that's I, I'm not sure if that's error. <laughs> it's polite. Gotta yeah. feel like as soon as the host is claimed, you should also claim the host, but you should claim to be more hosts here than the host. I thought it's podcast rules: first person who speaks gets the throne. No. No. Okay. Okay. Is that how it works? Well, that's what I thought. Now. I don't know. I don't think that's how it would work. I don't think that's how it works with dessert, but okay, I guess. I'll take Osama it. just changed the meta, actually. So from oh, now no. on, the host can be challenged yeah. at any point. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the host now. <laughs> well, Osama, I will say for a host, your intro was oh, not great. I'm sorry. Didn't even mention the Habibis. <laughs> you didn't mention the name of the show. You didn't mention... There were three games. You just said I'm I Osama. I still have time. Doses. It's just the beginning. That's all the information you need. I'm Osama. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm Osama. How y'all doing? <laughs> oh, man. Doing great. Doing great. Good. I've missed you. Collectively. Oh <laughs> Yeah. I think same. I, I've been... Uh, I've finally been in the Arab wow. world again. How long has it been? It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. I uh, I don't I I can't even remember when the last time it was I was here, but I uh, I landed in Riyadh in uh, Saudi Arabia. Did you fly there yourself? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I flew for the I flew for the first time on Saudi. I'd never flown Saudi oh, before. Good, good. And uh, I was very yeah, they were good. Um, but uh, the fun thing is, the guy that sat sat down next to me, well, next to me in in the row with me. When he put his bag away, I noticed a little red label that said "Remove before flight," and uh, that's a pretty common sort of like label that they give student pilots. So I looked at him and I asked, "Like, hey, do you have to be a pilot?" And he's like, "Yep, thirty-four years now." Wow! And uh, he had his full pilot getup under under a sweater that he was wearing, uh, and he was uh, he was a pilot. He was flying home uh, to do a flight the next day. So we ended up talking about flying a whole bunch. Um, which was fun. I have I have my first um, theoretical exam coming up, uh, radio communication. Which, uh, as soon as you do your first exam, a timer starts going, and you have to complete all the other exams, and there's seven of them within a year and a half. And you can't fail more than three times at any any subject. Oof. And if you do, uh, if you do, you have to restart all of them. So that's intense. Um, yeah, as soon as I go in on Saturday, uh, that starts the timer. So I'm a little nervous about it. I also don't want to fail it because technically communication is the easiest I one. See. You know, it's like some theoretical knowledge about how the radio works and like what kind of reach you can expect and what kind of technology we're using. But most of it is about like how to talk. You have to talk right? into a mic. And you it's, you it's do it's this ru- once a week at least. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't have rules about how to speak. We barely have rules about how to intro our show. Well, this is this is very rules based. So there's 
So, so the Clifford Tower can't challenge you at any second? It's not like the host group? <laughs> I'm no. the pilot now. No, no, no. I'm the pilot now. <laughs> I'm not worried, Riley. The, I've um, seen video the, of you flying, and you seem incredibly competent. I know you know what you're doing. You can handle the radio. Well, that's the thing. The airplane at this point, like I'm, I'm getting more and more at ease in the airplane, right? I always was mostly at ease, but I'm, I'm getting more comfortable. And this is, this is early, so I'm not good by any stretch, but I'm, I'm getting comfortable mm-hmm. with the vehicle and sort of with the force that's involved. Radio is just its own field, right? You have to know what you can say and what you can't say, and how you say it. So, you know, the, the easiest thing, for example, is just you need to know the NATO alphabet. Mm-hmm. So you need to know your alpha, bravos. You know you need to you need to be able to um, spell things in the NATO alphabet. That's easy. You need to know the numbers. But for example, for um, runways or um, um, air pressure, you have to spell out each number. Mm-hmm. So you don't say runway twenty five. You say runway runway two five, right? For altitudes. Uh, you can use thousands and hundreds, but only if the hundreds are rounded. So you can't go 250, right? That will be 250, but you can go 1,500. That's a lot, right? And knowing the difference between that is important. Um, you need to know some stuff about VHF band, which is what our communication takes place on. But you also need to know when you can say certain things. So, for example, as a pilot, I can never use the words takeoff. Mm. Mm. The tower can say takeoff. The only time I can say takeoff on the radio is after I get clearance to take off. So after the air, the tower says, okay, like, you know, takeoff runway 25, I can say taking off runway 25, and then my airplane designation. If I say it at any other point, that's a violation of the rules. Why? So Why is it I can't a violation? say ready for takeoff. So almost everything in aviation is built that way because somebody yeah. died. That's what I figured. It was right? a safety concern. Um, yeah. So the trick is if you hear the word takeoff on the radio, you now understand that an airplane is starting to take off. Right. So if you hear takeoff on runway 25 and you are approaching runway 25 or you're about to cross runway 25, Whenever you hear the word takeoff, you should pay a little extra attention. Now, when a pilot is uh, crossing a, a runway or getting ready to take off on a runway, they have to say ready for departure, runway 25. So if you hear the words departure, you don't have to pay attention that much, mm-hmm. right? So it sort of makes takeoff like an, an easy word to recognize that something important is going to be happening. So if you hear somebody say takeoff, you should be paying attention to what comes next. If they say take off runway 25 and you happen to be on runway 25, you can still do something about it, right? Um, but there's so much conversation about getting ready for takeoff, so much conversation about uh, preparing for takeoff, for where you want to take off, that for all those conversations where it's less critical, they just picked a different word, which is departure. Mm-hmm. I see. Very cool. And that's how it works, right? It's just to make sure that that word becomes a flashpoint in people's minds so that while you're listening to all the conversation on the radio, while you're doing your radio checks or you're, you're checking your airplane or you're coming in for landing and you're distracted, 
uh, that when you hear the word takeoff, your ears perk up and you kind of like pay a little more attention. So what you're saying is the reason we don't have standard terminology in the gaming industry is because lives are not dependent on it. Yet. I, I would argue that. I would argue that that's not quite true, <laughs> but you know. Um, Yet, that's the word I heard. <laughs> but anyway, right. Rami, um, that was a pop quiz, and you've you've passed. So you have you have nothing oh, you have nice. nothing to nice. worry about. <laughs> Way to go! Right, Mabruk. I, Mabruk. I mean, I took I, I took my VFR book to uh, I took my radio communications book to Saudi, so I have it with me here in the hotel room. Um. But yeah, sorry, I was talking about Saudi. It's been really nice to be in the Arab world again. Um, just, you know, hearing people speak Arabic around me mm-hmm. normally has been nice. It's also given me a little bit more confidence in my own Arabic speaking. Like, I can follow stuff, which is nice. Good. Um, so I try to speak a little bit every now and then, but I'm just not confident enough to do it in front of an entire group yet. Uh, it's been too long. We flew over Egypt, which broke my heart because I, I miss Egypt. A military draft has made it really hard for me to, to go there. Um, so I really hope I can resolve that because I miss the country. We flew past Cairo and I just sat there in the airplane just kind of like crying out of the window. Um, it was hard. It was difficult. But um, yeah. Hopefully that gets resolved step soon. in. in uh, Inshallah, inshallah. I can. I really can't wait to go back. Um, what are you doing in Saudi? So there's a little event here called uh, Game Changers, or it's not an event. It's sort of like an incubator or a, a, a support program. Um, oh, and, oh yeah, yeah. I was um, I was approached by one of the organizers a few weeks ago, and uh, they kind of wanted to bring me in as like a surprise opening guest for the business segment of the program. So a lot nice. of these teams have been working for like five months, small teams, two to seven people working on a game uh, and sort of trying to build an ecosystem for for game development here. Like the biggest problem they have is sort of like a pipeline for design and business talent. They have good programmers. Obviously, a lot of the Middle East has great programmers and a lot of the Middle East has, has really good animation. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of people here are pioneers in the world of animation. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say that exactly. <laughs> the, uh, the the art level here is is pretty good, right? It's it's uh, mostly two D art, mostly illustrative, but um, you're seeing sort of like an interest in three D in some places. And I'm just here to teach them about uh, business stuff, right? So we've been talking about risk and opportunity and value. We've been talking about pitching and communication and team structure and management. And, uh, you know, I did a a a two-and-a-half-hour workshop on the first day. Um, And then another hour workshop at the end of the day. I did one-on-one meetings. And they're just – they're very fast learners, right? Uh, They're very eager to learn, which has been really fun. Um, So that's been really nice. But I want to tell you the – Craziest story. So, okay. Ooh, I, I love one of those. It's, it's one of those Rami crazy stories. <laughs> I read we should, we should have like music for this. <laughs> right. Yeah, we do. We should have a tune that plays before the, just, the, the wild stories. I'll just, I'll just go like this and we'll do a crazy story now. Um, but uh, the, uh, the, the crazy story <laughs> is um, so I land in Saudi, right? And uh, two of the organizers are there to pick me up. And uh, I get in the car. 
And uh, we start driving to the hotel. And one of the organizers goes, so, uh, Rami, we have a request. And um, uh, we would like for you to consider it. And he said, we would like for you to consider it in a way that made me think, you know what? This is not really a request as much as a, we're going to do this. We just need to know when. <laughs> and apparently, I was meant to be kept a bit of a surprise. Right? Oh. To, the, to the cohort, to the apprentices, to, to everybody. Uh, I was also, I will admit, I was also booked quite last minute, but um, um, I was also sort of a surprise. So apparently the people behind the program uh, found out that I was coming. And uh, uh-huh. one of those people is a Saudi prince. And, I'll do, you know, there's many, many Saudi princes, but um, uh, this one is uh, involved with the games industry, cares about video games, and... Um, just uh, wanted to meet me as a fan, apparently. Also listens to the Habibi, so, you know. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, great. Uh, you, Hello, Mr. Hi. Saudi Prince. You, apparently, uh, normally it's etiquette to refer to them by your highness, but uh, this one was, uh, this, this, this man was a very, very chill person. And by far, and I'm sorry to say this, Fauzi, the biggest Nintendo yeah. fan I've ever met. Ooh, <laughs> um, the biggest, bigger huh? than Fozzy? The biggest, wow. bigger, bigger, wow. bigger. That's impressive. Um, it, it was it was an intimidating amount of knowledge about Nintendo. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I I basically got summoned to a palace to have the food, and uh, the scale of something like that is uh, quite quite uh, quite impressive. Right, did, and of course, did you the, get royally owned in Smash? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I want to know who a Saudi prince means. <laughs> Princess Peach, of course. Oh, that's a that's a good call. <laughs> Some royalty, Rosalina, maybe. Oh, B- Bowser Jr. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I go Kirby in all contexts, so, you know, I'm one of those. Um, <laughs> I actually am a Bowser main, so that's hilarious. I'm a Bowser main, main, too, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's Bowser and Bowser versus love Tiny hugs, Cute so Kirby. makes perfect sense. That's exactly <laughs> it. The hugs. You got it. I play grapplers and everything. <laughs> and I, li- I guess I like flying, so it makes sense I'm Kirby. <laughs> You also gotta, like eating things, so perfect. Right. <laughs> gotta spend most of my time flying around the level, getting juggled by you guys, and then floating back to the platform slowly. <laughs> gonna be great. Well, I'm more likely to grab you and then throw both of us off the edge. Right. <laughs> That's my power move. I mean, my, mine is to suck somebody up and walk off the level. So, you know, it's it's one of the other. Um, I love it. The um, so yeah, I got summoned to a palace to have dinner with a prince to talk about the uh, the program, and uh, yeah, that that's a way to arrive in a country. Just be like, hey, Rami. So uh, yeah, the prince found out you're coming, and uh, yeah, you're coming for dinner. So uh, that was fun. Oh man, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was a little odd, but like this is <laughs> this is clearly somebody that that not just um, that not just sort of understands gaming, but also understands game development pretty well. He's made a game before. Um, ah, cool. Self-admittedly, didn't go oh, super wow. well. Um, yeah. But he's kind of curious. They rarely do on the first game. Come on. Right, right. 
but also knows about like Nintendo's internal teams and sort of like has had contact with people at Nintendo um, and sort of like is, is aware of development realities and just really felt that one of the mm-hmm. things that Saudi really needs is a pipeline for talent. So, you know, uh, there are many ways you can feel about the, the sort of Saudi like royal family and like, you know, different people in that. But for this person, I can genuinely say that it feels like they have a very, um, a very genuine disposition towards game development and that they really want to create that pipeline in the country, which um, to me, you know, that makes their goals align. That's cool. So that was really cool. Uh, apparently has a giant Amiibo collection. We didn't have time to see that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, just really, really a strange way of uh, of entering Saudi Arabia. Um, but yeah, I've been mostly very excited about meeting the teams. I mean, that's what I'm here for, and that's what I'm most excited about. Meeting the meeting the cohort has been an absolute delight. Um, a wild variety of games. Some people with good design understanding. Some people with like growing design understanding. But everybody's learning super fast. So it's just been it's been an absolute joy being here. That's great. Super cool, man. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see the games. Yeah, I hope that... Uh, um, I know they have a demo day somewhere closer to April uh, after mm-hmm. Ramadan, because uh, Ramadan is coming up, obviously. Um, remember when Ramadan was, like, recent? Yes. Jesus, it's, 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 like, in two months, It's right? in two it's months. Like in We're two almost months, there. Exactly. So we better get plotting yeah. some Habibi's content. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Sahur bites make a comeback. We're gonna do more sahur bites. Maybe we're gonna do more sahur. I would like to do more sahur bites. If you want more sahur yeah, bites, I think I can handle more. Please sahur email bites. us at info at thehabibis.com to let us know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, if you have ideas for the sahur bites, that would also be much appreciated because uh, we did a lot of yeah. work last year. Uh, we did, we did. But but yeah, so um, I brought my analog pocket. So I um, and my Switch. So I've been playing two games. Um, I'm playing uh, Pokemon Arceus or Acreus, or I don't know in which way. Um, I mentioned it to the prince that I've like seven or eight hours in. The prince said that he's done and that he played until 5 a.m. to finish it. So, um, <laughs> oh my god, this, this, wow. this guy is serious about his Nintendo. Uh, his Nintendo <laughs> fair enough. I haven't even played it yet, so fair enough. He's already got the one-ups on me on this it one. It is. <laughs> I will say it is a very cleverly designed game. Um, oh, and yeah. there's a lot of discussion oh. about you know the visual style and whether it has enough fidelity and whether Nintendo can get away with launching a game that visually just isn't super impressive. And I have barely even noticed because it is a very engaging Pokemon game. So... Hmm. We're still talking about graphics, seriously. Like, is this is a conversation? I mean, I yeah. it it makes a little sense, right? This game is uh, an open world game, but it's open world similar to the way Monster Hunter is. So the areas are sort of like distinct areas that you travel to through loading times, and um, mm-hmm. and the game is mostly about walking through environments, right? It's mostly about walking through stuff. And uh, I will say the vegetation, the sort of level of detail, it's sparse, right? It's mm-hmm. sparse. It's it's not, you would hope from Nintendo that they would have a little bit more feeling in their areas. But because it is so sparse, it's occasionally really hard to get sort of like an emotional connection from an area. That said, that's not what the game is about, right? And what I feel this game is, is I feel it's an experiment. Right? It's an experiment. How far can they stray from the original formula of Pokemon 
while still being a Pokemon game? And what will people accept as a Pokemon game? Because I think this game took, what, two years to make? From what I understand? Mm-hmm. For a Pokemon game, that is, that is uh, you know, a, a relatively extended timeline, but it's still a pretty short timeline. Yeah. And if you're... For an open world game, that's not... Right. So yeah. instead of throwing all their resources at it, I think what they did is they took a very serious jab at reapproaching the design of Pokemon and then polished it to the level where they felt comfortable with it and where they felt it was comfortable on Switch, right? Mm-hmm. And the game runs great. Right, uh, performance-wise, is great. But but the the thing that I really want to talk about is the design, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a three D open world Pokemon game, and the Pokemon are walking around in the world, right? Uh, there's no uh, screen that transitions to battle per se, and these Pokemon, for the first time, as far as I can remember, are aware of you as a player. So these Pokemon can spot you, they can run away from you, they can attack you. Uh, they can harm you, right? Which really turns sort of the formula of Pokemon on its head a little. Like you're crawling through grass, trying to not be seen. You're sneaking up on a Pokemon while it's turned its back around you. You're running at a Pokemon to surprise it. You're dodging a Pokemon when it uh, when it charges at you. And then you have um, you have a button that you can use to throw out a Pokeball, right? You can select a Pokeball with sort of like an item menu that is active and dynamic. And then you can throw a Pokeball at the Pokemon, right? Hmm. Now, if this is a Pokemon that is asleep or it hasn't noticed you, um, the Pokemon hits, it falls to the ground, and it will do the wiggle, right? And after the wiggle Hmm. completes, it will either be caught or it will break out. And if it breaks out, it will start to try and flee or it will start to attack you. So you can throw different Pokeballs. And for this is one of the details that I really appreciated. If you throw a Pokeball, it has a certain arc. But if you throw in a heavy ball, it's not going to fly very far because the ball is heavy, which is the simplest detail. Sense. But it feels so cool to actually throw a heavy ball, right? Instead of just selecting a heavy ball from a menu mm-hmm. and then the heavy ball flies. You can be short on a heavy ball because you didn't adjust your throw. And that a Pokemon is just staring in confusion mm-hmm. at the Pokeball and going like, Nah, I'm out of here. Um, I saw a super rare Pichu in one of the fields, decided to try my heavy ball, and just absolutely messed it up. Threw the heavy ball in front of the Pichu, and the Pichu just looked at it, looked at me, and just disappeared. Right? Ran into the grass. And it was so memorable. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Now, the second part about this is that this doesn't block gameplay. You can throw a Pokeball at a Pokemon and just run off. So if I want to catch my 27th Bidoof, I just drive by, throw a Pokeball at the Bidoof. I keep running, and then I'll get a message whether I caught it or not in a few seconds, right? Hmm. And I'm just running on. Now, you can switch one thing about the Pokeballs. You can throw a Pokeball, or you can throw a Pokeball with a Pokemon in it. If you throw a Pokeball with a Pokemon in it, and you throw it against, say, a tree or a rock or something, your Pokemon will gather resources from it. So if you have a tree with berries and you throw your Pokemon at it, it will shake the tree and collect those berries for you. So you can also run through the world and just run by a tree, throw a Pokemon at it, see a Pokemon running around, switch to your Pokeball, keep running, throw the Pokeball at that Pokemon, see a rock, throw another Pokemon at that rock, and you're collecting, crafting items and catching Pokemon as you're running. Hmm. So it feels very smooth. You're just running around, you're doing stuff, you're using Pokemon, you're in a world with Pokemon. And then finally, obviously... There is, if you come across a Pokemon that's a little aggressive or you can't manage to catch it, 
you can throw a Pokeball with a Pokemon at the Pokemon. And at that point, the game switches to a fight. And those fights work pretty much like you expect mm-hmm. from Pokemon. You pick an attack, they pick an attack. They've added an extra mechanic where your Pokemon can master moves. And when they master moves, you can set those moves into additional styles. So you can do an agile version of the attack, or you can do a strong version of the attack. The agile ones go a little faster, do a little less damage. The strong ones do a little more damage, but you're slower, which means that the enemy might actually get two two attacks in, right? So they've added and removed a whole bunch of things from Pokemon. And during these fights, your character is, by the way, still running around. So you can just run out of a fight. You can run to like watch the fight from any angle. I haven't quite figured out if you can do things during the fight as a person besides choose attacks. But just my first impression of this world is this is the most dynamic, interesting Pokemon game. And it has such a sense of flow that is just, for me, has been missing from Pokemon. I've... I've been getting tired of the formula. I'll be real honest with you, too. Um, mm. I don't want to run through grass and have the screen go, like, black and then go into a thing. And then I'm, I'm just really loving the, like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go of, uh, of Pokemon Arceus. Mm. So um, the story is kind of, nice. okay, you're, you know, I'm, I'm early on. I haven't come across a lot of trainer battles yet except for, like, scripted ones uh, where they're part of the story. Mm. Um, but I honestly can't wait until I, they do like a traditional esque Pokemon game using the mechanics of Acreus. I think it's going to be. This is already my favorite Pokemon game in a long time. I think if they do like a more complete version or a more traditional version of Acreus, where it it uses the gym system and the trainer system and all those things, uh, I don't know if those are in the game. But so far, I haven't caught them. Uh, if that happens in Acreus, or if that happens in a future Pokemon game. Uh, it's it's going to be my favorite Pokemon game of all times because this is just it is great. It is a delight to play this game. So I haven't played it yet, although it's on my list, my very long list of games I would like to purchase and play. I'm very excited that they tried something to, new that they shook up, even if it's not if they didn't put the necessarily. I don't know. I'm not saying this from my own comments because I didn't play the game, but even if it's not as visually stunning as other uh, Nintendo games that came out, like Breath of the Wild or what have you, I'm still happy that they tried to shake it up and try something new. And I think gamers um, should be patient and let people try things and not expect the perfect game each time uh, and just appreciate things that have some parts of it. That are, like and Part of it, maybe it's, it's, it's managing expectations on our side as game developers as well as like, explaining hey we're trying something new but that's really hard to to communicate to people without it sounding like we're saying this game is lacking in this way or this game is lacking in that way you know what i mean i don't know what the solution is but i think people need to chill and let people experiment and try new things we'll get better games as a result mm-hmm. yeah yeah we get in that situation in which like you know uh, if we don't if we don't try new things often enough then people say well it's the same same old same old and if you you know go away too far away from the game, then you alienate your core audience. So it, yeah. it's like a very fine uh, dance that you kind of need to do in terms of like trying something new, telling people that you're trying something new, but yeah. also people kind of chilling and let <laughs> let the developers do their thing. Right. I think the other thing is people forget that it's really easy to have ideas and it's really hard to actually do ideas. So I think a lot of people just yeah. kind of imagine like, oh, what if it was this game, but like with this cool feature, 
and then they, they've obviously never had to implement it. They don't know if it's going to be good. They don't know if it's going to be interesting. They don't know any of that. They just kind of imagine. And in your mind, a game idea is usually always good, right? And then when you start implementing yeah. it, that's when you start to realize, like, oh, there's complications. This unbalances the game. This is actually not as fun as we thought it's going to be. Uh, this takes more time to do. I mean, I understand, you know, like people pay $60 for a game. They pay $70 for a game. They pay $80 for a game. They expect something that they enjoy, but I, I do agree. Like Pokemon, like something like Pokemon Accuracy, it's it's definitely not a game that's built for you to buy because of the graphics. It's a design game. It's a game mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. playing yeah. Pokemon in a new way, and that's exactly what you're getting. And I think maybe there's there's a communication failure on our part, right? Uh, as developers, as to like not every game can be good in every way. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think. You know, especially nowadays in the time of like uh, constant updates and constant improvements, people just, they complain because they hope that that will make the game better frequently, right? And that's just kind of not how it works. Yeah. You, you can complain about something like the visuals, but the, it's not like we can just flip the visual switch and make it better, <laughs> right? Uh, Move the slider to the yeah, right. Yeah, a little, a, a little more art, please. Um, <laughs> It's it's a huge yeah. part of, of game development is trying to sort of like triage the resources that you have and like picking priorities and, and doing things and experimenting is really expensive. Mm-hmm. Probably mm-hmm. the most expensive thing you can be doing, right? Um, is just decide that we're going to spend four to six weeks figuring this thing out and uh, hopefully it'll work, right? And that's, that's, you know, for some things that's a short timeline, for some things that's a long timeline, but... Uh, if you assume that it takes weeks of an entire team working together to try a idea, yeah, that's 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 expensive, right? So I always applaud experimentation, especially something as core to the experience as Acrius. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, I've been talking for too long, so I'm gonna kick the ball. <laughs> I'm gonna kick the ball to. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it uh, to Fauzi. Then I'll take it to Fauzi. Okay, Fauzi. No. Here, I'm the new host. I take the ball <laughs> and I run with it. <laughs> this, what is this podcast? It's like a free for all. Osama, <laughs> you gotta so, you gotta respect the host, Osama. Come on, you can't do that. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Fine, Fozzy, you can pick it up. It's all good. <laughs> I like I like establishing my authority here for a moment. This is great. I like being host. <laughs> oh, just, though, just just wait till I get my chance of hosting. <laughs> I just don't get time to speak the entire episode. <laughs> Pretty, I'll mute you. <laughs> I won't give you the ability to unmute. You know I would never do that to you, Rami. <laughs> and I'm Ra. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So I. I... Like, what, what happened to Rami? Why did his voice disappear? <laughs> Osama, why don't you tell us what you've been up to? So I've speaking of games that were a lot of fun but didn't Betrayed. so good. Oh my god, good. what a segue. The longest segue <laughs> in the history of segues. Uh I played a game called Vampire Survivors. And uh so I mean the comparison with Pokemon pretty much just stops there. Uh Vampire Survivor is a pixel art survival game uh where you move your character but you don't uh, control the direction of your attacks. The attacks kind of fire off on their own. You don't. The only control that you have on the character is actually the movement. Um, 
and they have there are different abilities that you could pick up and there's a whole bunch like a swarm eventually it's an overwhelming swarm of ghosts and and zombies and vampires and bats and like different things that attack you from all sides um, all of them pretty much have the exact same AI, you know, the basic seek and destroy AI, um, and different, but different properties otherwise, you know, different health and whatnot. It's an incredibly simple game, but it was so fun. It took me by complete surprise. There's a lot more skill involved because the abilities themselves they have different um, properties. So, for example, you have uh, it's it's very very inspired both in art, to the point that I almost think it's going to be sued by Konami at some point, both in art and in, in uh, the me- mechanics, even though it's not a platformer, the, by like the, the, the Symphony, the Castlevania games, like Symphony of the Night or the like. So that you could have a whip and the whip fires off in front of you on its own. And if you upgrade the whip and you like get multiple whips and they fire off in different directions, uh, very predictable pattern. You could have a magic wand that shoots... Um, a shot at the closest enemy. Uh, so if you you learn the cadence of how often it it fires, you could actually time it. Um, it has a boomerang that shoots towards the closest enemy and then behind you. Um, most of the attacks are not random. A few are random, where you're just like, I hope it hits something, like lightning bolts or fireballs. Most of them, you, they're predictable. You know, it's either going to attack always from the same direction, like the axes will axes will always go on top of you. Um, and other other things like that. So eventually, you actually get into a rhythm, and you're like, you know, you move left, left, right, left, left, right, and, or uh, you carve a path through these the swarm, and the intensity that uh, it becomes more and more tense as the, the, it goes on until it becomes completely overwhelmed. And I'm not I'm not doing a very good job of selling it in terms of telling you what the game is because it's one of those things that you have to actually try right. because even when I like it was recommended by somebody on Twitter and I'm like I, I was like oh that sounds like something I, uh, that could be interesting it sounds a little different then I looked at screenshots and I almost turned me off and I'm sorry no disrespect intended it was a solo person who worked on this who Clearly, was more it's more of a designer than 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 an artist, um, but like the game is solid on its own, and we can appreciate it for its merits on that. I spent maybe twenty hours on this game in the last two weeks, which is not a small amount of hours. It's that's really good. I love it's it's a kind of game that you could kind of get in the zone. But you don't. It doesn't need your full attention at the same time. So you can like listen to a podcast, like the Habibis or something, not as good while playing it. It's perfect for that kind <laughs> of. It's perfect for that kind of like you know when you're just feeling like you're, you want your hands to be busy and your mind kind of needs to be preoccupied while doing something else. It's it's great for that. Um, so I highly recommend it. Vampire Survivors. Uh, it's it has a simple progression system too, where you get you know uh, coins at the end of each run, and then you spend them on um, like slight up, small upgrades, a little bit at a time. So the the, the loop the, the the it keeps you coming back. You know what I mean? It really has. It's very engaging on its own. Um, what the sprites really really look like they might be breaking copyrights though. So I'm not sure if the game is going to get taken down at some point. But like I I could swear one of the characters is really Alucard and the other is Simon Belmont. Like I so close to 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 being those characters that it's a little worrying. Otherwise it's great. I highly recommend it. Play Vampire Survivors. 
I was just I was just in the middle of that. I've been obviously I've been I've been critiquing pitches, and I'm just like Osama. We need to talk about pitching. <laughs> but yeah, well, you know, <laughs> you wrapped it together really well at the end, so I'm I'm convinced again. Why? Thank you. Why? Thank you. No, but it's great. It's great. Really, pick it up. Like I know it doesn't look like that much, but it it plays really really well. I I highly recommend it. Cool. Super cool. I'm just looking at it, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's what you described. Looks like uh, <laughs> a game that you have to play to really get it. That's exactly it. I, I, it's three dollars. Like it's really very, very cheap. That's why I was like, even though the screenshots kind of turn me off, I'm like, meh. Even if I spend three bucks on it and five minutes, that's fine. At least I'll. And then twenty hours later, I'm still playing it. So obviously, there's something there. Very cool. I just checked. It's actually sixteen point eight hours was the actual count. So I just looked it up. Not ah. quite twenty, but close. Yeah. Um, I also watched a movie, mm. and it was a really good movie. The movie is called The Banker. It's not exactly a super new movie. It came out, I believe, at the, the middle of twenty twenty. Um, and what it is, it's about uh, some black businessmen, two black businessmen, who uh, basically invest in a bank in order to help other black businessmen fund their businesses in a time that was in the 1960s, a time that was extremely hostile towards black businessmen who, who tried to do that. Like, right. oh, it was impossible. Is, is this, so in, the, the, is this it, in the it, U.S., Canada? Where, where is this take place? It's, it's specifically Texas, like oh, the most boy. hostile of the American oh, states. Okay. Yeah. yeah, okay. I hear you. Yes. So it's all the shenanigans that they had to go through. It's based on a true story, which is something I actually watching the movie. I didn't know it was based on a true story. It's it's in the end when they do the the recap of what happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then I realized it was based on a true story. So I imagine most people going into it knew that, um, but it, it it was it was a great movie. Honestly, highly recommended. Uh, Samuel Jackson's in it. He plays himself again. So if you like Samuel Jackson, you'll love his performance. He is Samuel Jackson in it. Uh, Anthony <laughs> Mackie did an amazing job of not being Anthony Mackie, of actually <laughs> portraying a different character. So I thought his performance was really, really strong. Um, it was a frustrating, like you have to be in the mood. It was frustrating because, you know, like of the hurdles that uh, black, black people had to go through at the time and now even. Uh, it was very emotional, very emotional, but in a good way. So mm-hmm. if you're in the mood for something like that, Watch it. The pacing, I like the pacing, um, I, I. But it could be a little bit slow. So if you're like, you have to be in the right mood to to watch something like that. It's very story heavy. Um, not not like there's no car chases or things like that. That's not a spoiler. There are no car chases in banking. What? Um, <laughs> no I'm, explosions. I'm out. A movie called no. The Banker without car chases. <laughs> what I mean is like you know. Temporary expectations. It is a really good talkie movie. I loved it. Watch it. Okay. That's cool. I'll check it out. I mean, you say Thank this you. is an old movie, but it has Anthony Matthews kind of like, you know, like the last 10 years. When 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 is this movie? I think it was 2020 that it came out. Hold on. Let me find it. Because I'm sure Mackie has been around longer, but I've really like only heard him as like a lead role for like what, a, a uh, decade or so? March 6, 2020. So it was 2020. Oh, okay. All right. Pretty recent. All right, cool. Oh, yeah, I'll give it a go. That looks, that looks, that sounds fun. Awesome. What about you, Fozzie? What have you been up to? 
I played a bunch of games. Oh, uh, cool. One of the games I spoke about last week, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. I'm still, uh, I think I'm maybe a couple of hours, like uh, one or two bosses away from the end of Neo, The World Ends With You. I spoke about it last week, which is the sequel to The World Ends With You, which uh, we went on a whole DS discussion. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm not going to talk too much about that. I like it. It's my kind of game. Uh, lots of uh, grinding uh, bat- battles, collecting pins, uh, leveling up uh, characters. Totally my kind of thing. Really enjoy it. And it became my mindless thing, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like I'm doing something else and I'm playing this. Like it's the thing on my Switch that I'm just like, you know, cracking at the entire time. Right. Uh, the, mm-hmm. that, that game has some ridiculous... Writing in all the funny ways. You know, like the, the Yakuza side quests and how funny they can be? Yeah. Um, but also sometimes how, like, you know, like, um, uh, it makes you, like, hold your eyebrows really high. Like, what what did he just say? Right. Um, <laughs> that game that game has a lot of those moments. It's, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably give it, like, the, uh, the award for most use of a limited number of locations in gaming history. <laughs> Wow. It's, like, it's like a very small gaming area there's not that much uh like you know game area like the entire game happens in shubia which is a district in tokyo and they split it off into like smaller maps so you know in terms of like area it's not that big of a game but it's like you know 40 hour plus game so right uh most economic game design ever for sure um <laughs> uh, enjoyable I'm, I'm i'm liking it but like you know it's uh you need to be the the audience for that kind of game, um, but yeah, it's I'm totally that. Uh, but I played two other games. Uh, one I want to talk about uh, that I played a lot, uh, which is a follow up to one of my favorite games uh, for a long time. So first of all, the caveat: these are good friends of mine in uh, New Zealand. All of that stuff. So take that to the the grain of salt and all of the stuff. But we've also covered this on the podcast before. If it's a game made somewhere, chances are one of us knows someone on the team. So <laughs> right. take take everything with a grain of salt. Right. From New Zealand, there's a few um, options here, so I'm really curious which one it is. So it's from Dinosaur Polo Club. Ah, yes. <laughs> and, good team. And a, and a good team. And the game is yeah. called uh, Mini Motorways. Yes. Loved Mini Motorways. Oh, so good. Oh, my I, God. What a game. What so a good. good. Wonderful. Mini, Me- Mini Metro was incredible. I like Motorways. Mini Metros was oh, on my game of the year list. Right. Like, you know, uh, one of my top games the, the year it came out. Right. What was it? 2015, 2016? Yeah, that's two years like ago. That. We were young back yeah. then. Yeah. Osama had like, like long flowing yeah. hair. Like, it was wild. <laughs> <laughs> Not that long oh, ago. Okay. Uh, I just checked it. I put in 82.6 hours in Mini Metro. It's so good. Yeah. And it's so good. That sounds and, about right. Only 24.6 in mini motorways so far. Those are rookie numbers, so I got to up those numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I think Both. I played 15 hours in a week of mini motorways. Right. Wow. It really is that kind yeah. of game, though. What? It is. What it's a so game. Good. So good. So good. What a game. So uh, let me tell people what those games yes, are. Yes, yes, yes. Please <laughs> Because they've never played <laughs> a place they've never played them before. So in... Uh, let, let's talk about Mini Motorways. And uh, Mini Metros is like that. So if you haven't played it, go play both. Uh, Mini Motorways is that you got houses and cars come out of those houses. And there's like destinations or factories or malls or whatever you want to call them. They're like bigger boxes. <laughs> and they're the destinations to which the cars need to get. And you need to match the colored house with the right color uh, factory or mall or destination. 
through a complicated uh, network of roads, uh, Kubri, uh, bridges. that's bridges, <laughs> roundabouts, <laughs> or uh, traffic lights, or what have you. So you have well, these, like, you only under... Um, you only translate the thing that Arabs care about. Traffic lights, we're not going to translate <laughs> yeah, that. Exactly. We don't talk about this. <laughs> traffic lights, they don't know. That's great. All of these things are like the, the, the decorations yeah. for Arabs. Right so like, about... Arabs don't understand this Polish, game. Right about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the Arabs, The Witcher is a more believable game than Mini Metros. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> or Mini Motorways with that game. Except when the chaos starts to happen, you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's realistic. Feels, feels, like, feels like home. Feels like home. <laughs> but they need to patch a lot of car accidents yeah. for it to be realistic. So there's no car accidents in Mini Motorways, which makes it to like. Very fantastic. Yeah. Like, this is sci-fi, yeah. as far as I'm Lots concerned. of DLC potential there. Let's do it. I mean... <laughs> yeah, but if there's a car accident every two seconds, that's Arab editions. Release it in the Arab world. Right. Make all the Guinea. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, okay. So you're, you're building you're building houses. You're building... Uh, no, sorry. Houses get built. Destinations appear. You build the yeah, houses. houses appear. Destinations exactly. appear. You build the roads, right? You build the roads. And those things, like, pop out of nowhere. They pop out randomly. And like you gotta make things work. Mm-hmm. Eventually, like if the if the city gets crowded enough so that the destination is not getting enough traffic there, or like not pe- not enough people are reaching the destination as they should, then it's game over. Mm-hmm. So you basically get swarmed, and you need to react by the swarm. So like if if somebody's thinking this is like a Zen game to play. It's not. It gets mm-hmm. increasingly more. It's, it is until it isn't. It's so zen until it yeah. isn't, and it's always yeah, just that's exactly yeah, it's it. like the flip switch. And... It's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's it's, it's 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 zen in the same way that Tetris is zen. And like you yeah. start off like yeah, okay, I got this. I'm removing lines, and then it starts to get faster. It's like oh my god, I am so swarmed right now, and I'm dead. Yep. You know? yep. <laughs> And this game is very similar in that way. It's like, yeah, I got this under control. You know, blue's going to blue, red's going to red. I'm owning this. And then, like, you know, white appears in the middle of the city. White uh, White House is at the far edge of town. Yeah. You need to build two tunnels and a Kubri. And you go like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I need to do right now. Everybody's pissed at me. I'm going to need to delete some roundabouts. Build them, and, like, you need to react to what's happening on the fly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it is impossible to stop playing this yep. game. Really? Yep. Like, you know, it you is. start playing it and is. like, you like, uh, you start to react to how things are going. You see, like, if your grand plan, uh, like, there's an in- immense satisfaction when you like, think you solved it. And like, everything now is working. It's super efficient. And then like, you know, the game throws a, you know, a backhanded slap at you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, oh, that really hurts. Now I need to really react to yep. it. And then you start reacting and they're like, all right, now I have a new plan. And I've like changed the yep. layout on a lot of things and I've solved this. And the game goes like, oh, you're having fun. Huh? How about this? And then another back slap. And then you need to, like, you need to deal they with have, that. And there's like high level plays that they don't tell you about that you're able to do that are just like, once you realize them, it adds to the intensity too. Mini Metro had that too, where you're able to literally like pick up a cart, drop it off, and now you're playing like instead of just building the most efficient tracks, you're actually babysitting these these like you know train drivers and moving them around to the most optimal way. You don't need to do that at the beginning at all, but when it gets to that point, it's it's really involved. 
when you yeah. get to that point, usually the game won't last that long right. <laughs> anyway. But still. That's the thing. Like it, You're almost dying anyway at that point. If, if you have yeah. it under control, like I always start the same way, right? I, I try to keep my colored ways somewhat separated, right? Red mostly drives here, blue mostly drives there. They don't interact with each other. They don't intersect each other. I make some connections at some point. So, you know, if something get, happens in the north or the south or the east or the west, that I can just leverage existing roads. But I try to keep them separated. And, you know, that goes well, yeah. and then eventually it gets too much, and now you're connecting things, and, oh, no, there's an intersection that's just creating a lot of traffic here. Okay, 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 yeah. we'll try and build a way around that. But you also, and this is, the, you know, obviously a, a large part of the game, is you're limited on the amount of roads you can build. And that number yeah. increases yeah. as you survive weeks. But yeah. you're limited on your cobris, you're limited on your tunnels, you're limited on your, on your uh, roads. Uh, so, so you kind of have to work with limited resources, and it means sometimes you have a beautiful road that is performing exactly well, but it's using too many road tiles, and you really need those somewhere else. Yeah. So we're just gonna merge this one road into this other road, and inshallah, it won't overflow too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when it starts, when it starts going wrong, it just cascades so much, and it's such an interesting insight in, into the logistics of, of you know, infrastructure, like if. You see yeah. this in real life, right? There's one traffic light that always takes a little too long, and now seven blocks down, there's a there's a there's an intersection entirely blocked, which is blocking the other intersection. And everybody knows it's that one traffic light, right? Yeah. You drive to the you drive to the traffic point. You stand in the you stand in the in the queue. And it's like oh, it's barely moving. People must be standing at the traffic light again. And it's like four. It's like eleven blocks away around the corner, right? <laughs> and it turns out that, that Mini Motorway just perfectly captures that. One thing goes wrong, and it's just cascading. Until the thing that goes wrong on the west side of the city is creating the thing that makes you go game over on the east side of the city. And it's just, it's phenomenal. It's such a good game. Yeah, it's a... You guys know I'm a sucker for uh, elegant design, mm -hmm. and this yeah. is as elegant as it gets. Mm -hmm. Agree. You know. Mm -hmm. Really elegant design, beautifully represented. Everything like the, there's nothing I would uh, like. I wouldn't change a thing about this game. It's perfect. I Love it. I, um, I didn't play it last year, unfortunately. I would have added it to my game of the year list. So I'm gonna try to find a way to sneak it into some list somehow. <laughs> uh, though its similarity to Mini Metro is also kind of like um, you know, like they're both really good. Mm -hmm. Play yeah. both. Fantastic games. All right, which one is better? Uh, Let's have a fight. Which one is better, Motorways or Metro? I would say Mini Metros just because yeah. it did it first. Mm. I think you know? I agree for the same reason as well. It's really hard to... Yeah, but Mini Motorways is great. It felt like a different uh, take on the formula. Not an upgrade. It didn't feel like a better game. It just felt like another no. good game. No. Yeah, I yes. like, I... It's still it's equally as good, but yes. not better than Metro. Uh, I yes, thought so. it was better. I think the way of okay. I think the way oh. of creating roads is more fun and intuitive than the, the metros were. I found myself sort of complaining at Mini Metro for how it laid the tracks and sort of like having to like remove a thing and like kind of drag and undrag and like I found the interface like annoying at times. Even though I played dozens of hours, uh, it would still occasionally do something I didn't want. Yeah, I, that's that I can agree with. Sometimes I, I try to un like do one of the tracks, and I'm undoing the wrong right. one. They have little handles, and they're easy to miss, especially when everything is right. hectic. 
I get that. Yeah. Like, there's some quali- quality of life upgrades in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the novelty that you get with the first one is just, right. you know. Yeah, it turns out that for both yeah. of those games, I'm not playing them for the novelty as much as for, like, the long play experience. So, for me, like, the long play experience of Motorways was just better. But I agree with you, yeah. too, that, like, playing Metro mm-hmm. was sort of like a revelation, right? And Motorways is sort of like, exactly. okay, yeah. this is cool. I, I just think that, for me, the play experience is very much, like, I play this for 150 hours. So for e- neither of them feel novel <laughs> by the end of playing them for 150 <laughs> hours, right? Yeah. Fair. Fair. I mean, like, you know, the novel thing, like how the team came up with the two, the design, right. you know, like, there's like, here's the idea. This is the game. You're like, wow. You're like, how did you arrive at this amazing game called Mini Metros? Right. When mm-hmm. it's like Mini Motorways, you'll be like, I can see how you got here. You know, I've seen Mini Metros. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, By the way, you might be interested. Doesn't take from either of them. Like they're amazing games. Yeah, awesome, awesome. It it actually didn't come out last year. It didn't come out in 2021. It came out in 2020 Mm -hmm. on the Apple Apple Store thing. thing. So yeah, it only came out on Steam last year. So I'm not sure if it even qualified as Game of the Year. Depending on, I mean, you can do whatever you want. It's your list. <laughs> depending on your rules, you know, fair, it might fair. not have qualified. Yeah, yeah, I thought it came out last year. That's why so I completely missed it. Actually, when it came out in 2020, but like 2020 was one of the years in which you miss a lot of things. Right. So, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, but that, that's uh, why I didn't make again. my list because the only reason I didn't mention it last year is because I thought it didn't qualify. Right. That's all. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it would have definitely enough. been very on my top ten for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Like more than a heads off for these guys. This is like an incredible game. Right. Um, and well done like it's a, one of those games like you know uh, games that you should take with you on a deserted island yeah <laughs> this yeah. comes to mind you know and like this, it'll be this or Civ you know <laughs> Civ I'll take yes. Civ I'll take that person I'll take one of these you know like give me a, right. give me a mini game right yeah <laughs> mini, mini, the mini games are, are incredibly incredibly good and the, yeah like you said you can just kind of keep playing them forever which is uh, yeah I, I don't know yeah. it just doesn't get tiring that game it does get to the point where you lose a run and you're just like, okay, I'm done for today. But you always come back tomorrow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did, did, you, did you hear? I, Sorry. Go ahead. I, I was about to say, like, I have another game I wanted to talk Go about, ahead. but maybe I'll save it next week. Because I think even though Rami spoke a bit uh, at the beginning of the podcast, this is the one episode in which Rami absolutely should talk about Destiny. Right. Yeah, did you, did you, did you, by the way, did you hear the news about uh, Dinosaur Polo Club? No. They did not get acquired as one of the only game studios in the games industry. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was talking to my friend about Mini Metros. They, they would have mentioned yeah. something. <laughs> no, it's incredible. You mean they woke up today and they were not employees of either Sony or Microsoft? How impressive. Wild. Wild, absolutely newsworthy <laughs> at this point. Bungie, yeah, Bungie got acquired by Sony, and this is apparently a deal that's been months in the making. It's not a response. Um, no, of course, I, I can't be a response. Yeah, I love people that went like, "Oh, Sony just went to bought Bungie right. in like four yeah. days." Yeah, they're like, oh, "Okay, you know what? You know what we want? We just like, oh, we need a first person company. Uh, Bungie, you up? Yeah, we I mean, up. Okay." <laughs> 
I mean, it takes me longer to decide what I want to order from Uber Eats. Right. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I had if I had Microsoft or Sony amounts of money, I would absolutely be going around and be like, "Hey, are we gonna 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 buy y'all? Yeah, I like your games. Okay, how much for Bill? Okay, for Bill, done." Let's do it. Um, Were you as shocked as I was? Like, but I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not as shocking as Activision Blizzard because of the sheer amount, the, how big the company is. But it's shocking because Bungie has always resisted like being owned. It's, it's, it was almost in their brand. I thought they were going to be independent <laughs> forever as part of who they are at this. I point. mean, no, this is the they resisted, but not, but not too much. You know, like, not too much. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Let's let's look at Bungie. It is the most acquired game studio in the history of video games. <laughs> that's super true. Like, I think Nobody it's the only acquisition ever. this year that was Microsoft and Sony. Right. This, this has been a Microsoft studio. This has been a Sony studio. This has been a studio that was effectively only producing Activision Blizzard published games. Yes. Blizzard is yes. the one company that was an Activision Blizzard studio. Right. It was. This is the one company in the world that can say that it has been acquired so often. Uh, and I don't know. I Personally, I love the folks at Bungie. But of all the studios I could acquire in the history of mankind, it would not be the studio that has somehow ended up being unacquired <laughs> several years after the acquisition. Now... Yes. It seems to me like this. Is- I mean, like the people that work at Bungie, they're like, um, oh, so are we back? Back where? Yeah. Microsoft? <laughs> or where are we back? <laughs> no, it's funny because there, there's, sort of been a, the there's sort of been a pipeline from Guerrilla Games, which is a Sony studio, to Bungie. Uh, and I, I've just been, I've been sending all my friends that were at Guerrilla that are now at Bungie. I've just sent a message about like, hey, welcome back to Sony. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what happened. But, you know, here's the thing. I think this is obviously a strategic acquisition, right? Sony's looking for Bungie's yeah. talent in like life ops and sort of like the infrastructure. Destiny is yeah. arguably one of the most successful life op games in the history of, of mankind. Uh, not not mm-hmm. because they have the brand or the numbers, but because they build it from the ground up from day one. Uh, have yeah. an incredible like experiment uh, experimental approach to game design. Um, and to the game, mm-hmm. the game existing, man, it's created a really good community. It has become one of the behemoths of gaming, right? Destiny, um, and they've managed to create a really good infrastructure around that. Bungie has grown aggressively, and I think what Sony needs is that expertise. I don't think Sony bought them to necessarily get in the way of them cross-publishing anything. But it's, no, they, they've made statements no. like confirming right. that that's not the case. But also, they don't own the studio, so you know it's one of those things where I'm like, Phil Spencer also said like we're not going to contractually get in the way of any contracts that might exist between PlayStation and Call of Duty. But also, he very specifically said contracts that do exist, not contracts that will exist. So. Yeah, yeah, but this is the same with Bethesda, and right? So, like, if it's yeah. already out there, or like we've agreed there's going to be out there, then we're not going to touch it. But for the future stuff, that's a different right. topic. And I think that's yeah. kind of the same thing you can expect here. Is like, I don't think Sony's going to get in the way of anything, but it's good leverage to have in case Microsoft gets too aggressive at the exclusives, especially from studios that used yeah, to be for fun. sure. Um, I mean, like, also, like, if you think about it, like, you know, Microsoft has the Halo, so, you know, Sony wants their Halo, which is like, you know, the sci-fi shooter, live op game, and Destiny I mean, makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, they literally bought the but studio you know that made Halo. Why, 
Exactly. Exactly. And like while they're working on this, you know, uh, Microsoft went on and got their Call of Duty, so yep. <laughs> soon Saudi would probably want their Call of Duty as well. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm curious what studio is going to step into that. Like, obviously, I'm I'm eyeing Guerrilla Games in the Netherlands because they have plenty of experience with Killzone. I just I I have a weird feeling that they don't want to do a Killzone game. So uh, it might be fun to see yeah, after they wrap is. up on Horizon Forbidden West, which is coming out in like what two weeks? I'm super excited. Two weeks, yeah, um, yeah, very soon. Very I can't soon. wait. Um, but I'm I'm curious if they're they're poking any of their existing studios because they've made some acquisitions with like former Call of Duty talent at Sony recently. Um, so I feel like they, they've been aware of this risk, right? Of of the the, the yeah, basic gap sure. in the Sony portfolio of like good first person shooters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's kind of uh, an, another dimension of what we're seeing. Um, I'm you know I love Bungie, I love Sony. I hate that this is happening. Somebody on on Twitter called it the console edition uh, instead of consolidation, yeah. just console edition. Uh, I usually love a good pun, but that one hurts. it hurts. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. We're seeing a continued consolidation of the industry, and it, I hope that it will create opportunity for indies to sort of grow into the position that those studios used to have as sort of like our healthy third party content. But the yeah. list of studios that hasn't been acquired has basically gone down to Dinosaur Polo Studios. You know, that's that's it. That's, <laughs> the, the, the Dinosaur Polo Games is the only game studio in the world that is not owned by anybody else, as far as I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. for, for, for the podcast point of view, though, so now there's both Sony and Microsoft have uh, really good stakes at, like... Um, uh, sponsoring us right. <laughs> with our destiny talk <laughs> and our game pass talk we are now completely and my nintendo fanboyism right. we are now completely neutral yes <laughs> i love neutral. it <laughs> so Fauzi's the nintendo boy and osama osama are you the microsoft boy or you're the game pass boy I'm- I, I think I'm the Game Pass. Yeah, I think I'm the Microsoft. I guess I'm yeah. the PlayStation boy. I mean, okay, I can live with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I was. I mean, like you travel with the PlayStation Five, and you basically um, <laughs> speak in Destiny. Yes, this so. is true. you're the only person who can yeah. make the argument that the PS Five is a portable console. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even Tony don't agree. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just saying I have to learn how to fly an airplane because this PlayStation is a little complicated to carry around, and if I can just fly. I mean, if you stick a couple of wings on it, that thing practically can yeah, fly. Yeah, it could totally, totally fly. The weight and balance is going to be a little weird, but it can fly for sure. No, um, 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 I don't know. Like, I'm, I have the same weird feelings about this whole acquisition that I had with Activision Blizzard. This is obviously way less impactful, but you know, it's still, it's still a lot. Um, before we move on to emails, I wanted to touch on one more acquisition uh, that happened this week okay. that I thought was really interesting. Oh, yeah. Wordle got bought by the New York Times. Wordle. This true. Wordle sold Wordle. And that is apparently like a seven-digit deal. So... Yeah. What? Wow. Yes, yep. On the low end right. of seven digits. So, That's what they said. So, so at least a million. <laughs> I am extremely happy for the creator of Wordle. Because uh, obviously as the clones were as getting out of hand. The whole thing was getting... Mm-hmm. If you make something that brings that yeah. much joy to that much people around the world, then getting it acquired is wonderful. I've been playing Wordle with my with my, uh, with my my family, uh, with my mom and um, and others and friends and everybody. Um, I'm, not, I'm not tweeting my Wordles, but I've been playing it like 
every day religiously at midnight um, and, yeah. and comparing with friends, working together with others. Um, yeah. It's so good. I'm tweeting mine. They're getting like no engagement. So I guess everyone muted the word. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I haven't missed a day since I found out about it. What was it a month ago now? I don't know how it long has ago. Also, great. It day. has also spawned the funniest range of, um, of alternatives. Have yes. you played uh, uh, Letterla? No. It's basically Wordle, but there's only one letter. Really? And okay, that's so you have a one twenty-six chance to guess the right letter. You have six. Chances. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like that, but okay, really it funny. exists. There's also Absurdle, which is my favorite. Have you played Absurdle? No, but it sounds absurd. So Absurdle is Wordle, <laughs> but it is actively trying to work against you. So when it changes the word each it time. It changes the word every time you guess. To no. be as far away no. possible from the combinations that are currently still possible given your guesses. Wow, that's so brilliant. So, I, I actually played one uh, called Commander Codex, which is a Magic the Gathering wordle where you're trying to guess which character like based on some criteria and it's actually really good if you like magic the gathering nice um yeah there's just there's such a long range of uh wordle variants that you can genuinely call it a genre at this point um yeah i agree and like the trope of how it's presented and how it works has become its own language which is incredible Really happy that this got uh, acquired, even if it's just because, you know, Wordle is a, it's an HTML file. You can just save it if you're worried about it continuing in a way that you can play. You can literally just save the website to your computer, um, yep. which, you know, I would recommend you do because New York Times is extremely paywalled, blah, blah. Um, so if you enjoy Wordle, save Wordle to your computer right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a crazy crazy month uh unbelievable activision blizzard and bungie both off the map just gone uh first party studios we just finished january so we got uh, 11 months of this to go it's only it's only 2022 like january has been a long year y'all it's been a long year yeah (laughs) who was it that tweeted that there's going to be even more was it jeff i mean of course there's gonna be more like this is there's gonna be more for not sure. Not the kind of yeah. thing that you do in isolation. You just go. You don't go like, okay, we're gonna acquire one studio, right? Sony yeah. and Microsoft yeah. are clearly worried about the other getting exclusive. They're clearly worried about their portfolio, um, and it's yeah. clear for them that being the middle, the the middleman, the the middle person, the 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 facilitator is not enough right now. Yeah. So. What a huge yeah. shift in the way they're thinking. Like last year, Sony was buying their own studio, like studios that they had exclusive deals right. with, but they didn't own. They just scooped them all up because I guess at that point they were worried that Microsoft would do the yep. same. That already exactly. was huge. Yep. And now they're just like reaching out to uh, it's, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. This is a huge change and it's going to have big repercussions. I mean, it's the other way around, right? It's the subscription model. It's having big repercussions on how we do business. Like, I think that that's yeah. what's changed. Yeah. We're no longer selling games to people. We're selling subscriptions to people. And if you're doing subscriptions, it's better to own the people that are making the games rather than... Because it's all about exclusives. It's about timed access. It's about getting more content to your surface games. It's about 
uh, getting things earlier. It's about, you know, it's about all of that. And instead of negotiating those deals painfully each time with the studio, you now both get the talent, you get the insight, you get the infrastructure, and you get the games. It makes sense. Yeah. I hate it, but it makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. same on both points. Good. Let's go to emails. Osama, your favorite part of the show. Oh, it is my favorite part of the show. Okay, so I'm going to try to go quick because we don't have a lot of time. Um, so the first email is by Susan, who wrote us again. And she's basically, she starts by saying, I felt shy about writing so often, but says, so Sama was sad without email. Here I am again. Susan, never hesitate. Send us all the emails every week. Even if you write every week, we're, we, and by we, I mean me, would be very happy to <laughs> read your emails. Oh, I'd, be I'd be happy to. <laughs> I didn't want to speak for you. Just happy say Always happy to hear from Susan. Yeah. <laughs> so... Susan goes on to say, when thinking about the Microsoft Activision purchase, oh, on topic, and its implications for the future, I still feel hope that smaller studios will always find a way to exist. If the darkest timeline happened and a new single company, Micro, Tencent, Tendo, Activia, Pic, Sega Bandai, Inc., <laughs> that's a long <laughs> name, what a tongue twister, took over the market, what are some ways you could imagine a resilient indie scene carving a new path forward for smaller studios? Very good question. I mean, that's the hope. But the, the biggest problem is that what, what we are seeing is, is not just sort of a consolidation of studios, we're seeing a consolidation of distribution, right? Before, yeah. the sort of the dream of indie, when I started back in 2010, the dream of indie really was you make a game, and no matter how small the audience is, if you can sell it to that audience, right, you can make that money. So there was not really a limiter on what you could do besides the audience existing. And as the, as the game sort of consolidates, as the market kind of consolidates, you, you get a bit more gatekeepery systems, right? And of course, like back in the days, it was like you can make anything and be successful. But if you knew the audience existed, you can make it for that audience. And what we're seeing now is sort of a games are competitive, right? And there's high expectations for games, which means you need funding and funding mostly seems to come from platforms at the moment things like microsoft playstation not nintendo um but these platforms (laughs) that are sort of like backing the development of games and creating this competition that otherwise wouldn't exist and uh, it ups the quality of the games but it also ups the expectations that people have for games and it means that we're kind of going back to a more gatekeeper age. Game developers aren't making games for consumers. We're doing business-to-business work mostly, especially in the indie scene. Because um, if you make your game, you want to make sure that Sony or Microsoft want to fund it, right? That Epic Game Store yeah. wants to get that exclusive because mm-hmm. that's how you fund your game. And publishers think the same way. If I go to a publisher and I offer them a game, the first thing they're going to think is how much of our risk can we offset by immediately selling rights to to Xbox or immediately selling rights to PlayStation or to Epic or Humble or whatever, right? Um, so the people who decide what indie games get made, ironically, is going back to small boardrooms at big corporations instead of being indies deciding that they want to make a, a certain game. The only resilient way out of there is if we have a storefront that really allows us to directly target users. Steam isn't that anymore. It's just too big. It's, it's you, you know, it's... It doesn't help target people as well anymore. It's okay. You know, it's not a bad place to be. It's just not big enough yet. So I guess we're waiting for some sort of watershed moment that swings the pendulum back the other way. Because uh, ultimately, you know, and we've talked about this or some, we've talked about the fuzzy. It's a pendulum, right? It swings one way, then it swings back the other. 
Absolutely. Yep. I, I can't top uh, what Rami said. He's our resident even... indie. Exactly. He's the resident indie expert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. So thank you for that, Rami. And thank you for the email, Susan. Let's move on to the next email. Uh, the next email we're going to have to answer lightning, like a lightning round because he's asking seven questions. Uh, oh really we're already over time. About controllers. So, oh. But they're all about preferences. So we could give like a, a quick yes, no, or what we feel all about right. it. And then argue about so, the answers for 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, Let's try exactly. not to. <laughs> Question the first. Uh, face button labeling schemes. What are your preferences? A, B, or circle, triangle? What do you like? We already uh, answered this. I'm the Nintendo. You're the Xbox. Uh, <laughs> I'm the PlayStation. <laughs> Rami is the PlayStation. It's actually true. I prefer, I prefer X, circle, triangle, square. Like this. Me too, because it's localized. Uh, that's the thing. Even though I'm usually Xbox, I like it because it's easier to uh, for localization. Uh, I like the concept that they're universal, but I also like it because I keep getting mixed up when I switch from a Nintendo console to an Xbox console because of the mapping of the AB. So I like them because they're unique as well. So So you're not doing the lightning thing, right? So like, I cannot tell you why I chose the Nintendo one. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Let me, okay. Let's go to the next one. Clicking the analog stick as a button. Good or bad? Good. Good, but needs to be remappable. Oh, very good. Uh, Rumble. Good or bad? Great. Good. Excellent. Although there needs uh, to be a fallback for people that Condor don't want to use Rumble. Agreed. Yes. I love I love your accessibility <laughs> angle, Rami. Like, way to go. Uh, accessory ports, good or bad? I'm not sure what that means. Like ports for like ports. keyboards or headphones. Or oh, like like, like USB things. No. Okay. Yeah. Or like good. the headset. The yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. The, accessible con- more options. the accessible controller is one of the best things ever made in terms of game control. Put more ports on controllers. Exactly. Like more, more ports, yeah, more absolutely. everything. The paddle ports, whatever. Put more on controllers, please. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, number five, headphones, headset support. Yeah. The more. Yeah. Support. I really wish that there was. <laughs> Bluetooth too, if you can. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I wish there was better <laughs> wireless support for headsets, but I also love just plugging a cable into a controller and having it work. So. Yeah, um, agreed. Yep. Um, num- number six, wireless power, you know, standard batteries or custom battery packs or hardwired battery. What, what ba- The battery question, you know, what, what's good? I put rechargeable. I like built-in. Yeah, I, I like rechargeable. I like replaceable rechargeable too, but um, as long as I have like one of those charging stands for my controllers, I'm happy. I agreed. Yeah. I like to put them down and know that when I pick them up, they're full. That's it. Uh, okay. I don't exactly. want to plug I, cable. I, I have a question that. for you. Uh, r- rapid lightning one from me. How many controllers right. for your favorite console? How many do you own? Four. Always. Fazi? At least two. Yeah, at, at least two. Yeah. I, I also, I, I have three usually. I have the two that I switch around that I use. When one is empty, I have the other one full and one for a friend when they're visiting. I have three kids, yeah. so four is the minimum so that we could all play together. <laughs> so, And I do have five for the Xbox now because I the old Xbox One, one still works, and I use it on my computer. So technically five. And I have eight uh, for the Switch if you're talking about Joy-Cons, but I also have the Switch Pros too. So that's ten total for the Too Switch many. that we use across Question seven. different switches. Question seven: Inverted y-axis and non-inverted y-axis. Non-inverted. I'm yeah. I'm, nor- I'm unless, normal. Unless I'm playing, unless I'm playing Ace Combat, 
Uh, yes, invert the wires. Interesting. I invert for, for vehicles as well, underwater or space, so, uh, but always need to have the option because people, and I think yes. not only inverting Y, but I've met enough people who invert mm-hmm. X that I think, and it's so trivial to do. I think you should also allow right. people to yeah. invert X. Oh yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. That's uh, have to have it in the oh, options. Also, sorry, so. mom, but I'm still going to call non-inverted normal. Sorry. and that's it those are the questions thank you jose that was interesting awesome we're gonna wrap it up because this is i think the longest episode of the habibis we've ever done and uh can we stall and make it make it for sure the longest if we keep if it don't make it too long we can announce this more often right because if we if we keep it at this, no buffer content. Right, we only do quality only quality content. content. But to be fair, to be fair, Osama buffering content is usually still quality content because you just kind of go like, oh, where, where is he? True. Where is very he true. going? Is so what is true. happening? Um, <laughs> but I bring it back, right? And you Sunday. know what I'm going to bring it back to? To the ending of the episode because this was today's episode. We are putting a doily on it. it. We did one hour of Habibis. <laughs> it's coming out on Friday, inshallah. If I've tried to edit this, inshallah. if I don't get summoned to more palaces. <laughs> so I hope this all works out. And uh, we will see. We will see how this all works out. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This was another episode of the Habibis podcast. I was your host. Uh, Rami Ismail, I'm just going to claim that again, Osama. Do you hear that? I was your host. <laughs> oh, no. I heard it. Well, I'm hosting next time. You can't stop. And, for, and, and until next time, until Osama is a host again. Salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at THA underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias, and Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubayla, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea with new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening, and salam.